The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Up Close with Chris Tinney. Don't forget to visit ChrisTinney.com for more information about today's topics and download the new Spread Peace app that makes it easy to take action and advocate for the causes you care about. And now, here's your host, Chris Tinney. Welcome back for another episode of Up Close. And today we have a great show for you uh, with the, the I, you know, folks, I, we have a lot of shows on here, and I try to uh, let everybody know that, that I try to have shows that you can actually learn something that will affect your life and into use. And today, I can't think of something that's more important than, than the battle that's going on on our food plates every day and on our food supply every day with genetically modified foods. And we're gonna, today, it's going to be an awesome call because we have, from the Non-GMO Project, Caroline Kinsman on the line with us, and we're going to be talking to her. Before we do that, I just want to remind you, next week, uh, we have Black Lives Matter on. We have a, a minister from the Unitarian Universalist Church who's on, and an award journalist who's been uh, published all over, as well as won awards and, on human rights and, and uh, government security issues that he's reported on. I've been really shocked at the kind of emails I'm getting just because we're having a show on the Black Black Lives Matter, uh, uh, you know, issues, and I and and wherever you fall on whether you like that group or you don't like that group, I hope you get on the show, because that's exactly what the show is about. So that you can ask, I don't, you don't have to agree with the the guests to call in and talk to them. Um, so I just want to throw that out there. I, I hope that all the people that have sent me these emails actually get on the show so they can talk to the people and find out what it's really about. Thank you to all of you that are sharing our our shows all over Facebook and on your social media. We really appreciate it. This show is not just about this one hour a week that we spend here on Voice America, uh, but also the community we want to create, both on the Facebook page, Chris Tinney Facebook page, and in our Goodreads community where we share authors that we might want to have on the show. Thank you for for. Uh, joining us every week. And I, I'll tell you what, we're going to just dig right into this show here and get started because, you know, you've seen this in the news, you've heard about genetically modified foods, and I wanted to reach out to somebody that is well-respected. I'll tell you, once we posted that we were having this this interview today, uh, the comments started coming in with people that support, you know, love the organization, love what they're doing, rely on them for information. And so with that, it's my great pleasure to introduce you to Caroline Kinsman. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Caroline. Caroline, for joining us today. Thank you so much, Chris. I, I appreciate being here and talking on this topic. Well, I want to get to the you know the the living livingnongmo.org for those of you that are listening. You can check that out while we're chatting. If you're listening to if you're one of the thousands of people listening to the downloaded version or on iTunes or Google Play, you'll see a link right below this to livingnongmo.org. That's your website. Before we get into the work you guys are doing and, and why it's so important, can you share just on a you know basic level, for assuming somebody knows nothing about this, what do we mean when we talk about GMO? Sure. Yeah, there's a lot of misconceptions out there, but essentially a GMO is a genetically modified organism. This is um, an organism that has 
their genetic material then artificially manipulated in a laboratory using genetic engineering. Um, so you may hear terms such as GE for genetic engineering or GM for genetic modification. And a really clear distinction is that this is a relatively new science. Um, the first GMOs were produced in the early or mid-90s. Mid and so it's really about uh, only about 20 years old. So when people talk about GMOs have been around for hundreds of years, they're actually talking about hybridization and traditional breeding methodologies. They're not talking about genetic engineering. And so I think that's just a, a, one of the biggest misconceptions around GMOs. Well, and, and so how has it evolved today then? With you, you, What's the difference in the GMOs today versus the, what they're talking about? Is when we, like I remember I used to live on a ranch and my dad would cut two trees in half and it would be half pear and half apple or something. Uh, this, this goes far beyond that. Absolutely. So the most common GMO on the market, and again, the technology is evolving. And so um, when we when we talk about genetic engineering, we we want to make sure we're we're kind of we're talking about a lot of different technologies combined into transgenetic engineering, um, synthetic biology, uh, CRISPR. There's all kinds of um, new technology that is emerging. But essentially, genetic engineering um, is is a splicing of two very different genes from different species and splicing them into that of, um, of, a, of a different species. So that's the most typical transgenetic engineering, and, um, it, and that makes it very clear that it's, it's not something that occurs in nature or through traditional, traditional crossbreeding. I can so take the genes, for instance, of um, a plant, animal, bacteria, or viral and, and combine them into, into any of the others. So um, a, a great example, the very first commercially produced GMO was the, um, the flavor saver tomato, and it took the genetics of an Arctic flounder and crossed them into or spliced them into the genes of a tomato plant. So obviously um, a very clear distinction um, on technology. Now, when, when people ask, are GMOs safe, they get, if you go out online, I mean, you just find this massive barrage of media that, that being paid for by companies that benefit from, from GMOs. And then you find all the mm -hmm. other information from people, you know, show how other countries that don't want, aren't, you know, aren't allowing genetically modified foods or they're, um, you know, labeling. We're going to get into that as well. I I remember 15 years ago, I, I had a, a friend that, that lost his children. I mean, I, literally for about a week until they got him back because they said he was abusing them. They had a, a thing where they couldn't eat a certain kind of protein, I think, that came from pork. And they kept accusing him of giving him, you know, giving them that because they kept going back to the hospital and he kept swearing that he wasn't, you know, you know, he was monitoring their diet. And apparently the tomato skin had been crossed with some kind of pork DNA or pig to try and toughen up the skin. Huh, I'm not familiar with that particular and type so, of you know, GMO, but there. What, what's the people but, are asking? Well, there, what, a, well, a lot, there are a lot of questions around the safety, and I think one point that you made, Chris, that's really valuable to note is just the amount of money that is at stake with um, this kind of technology and the products that are produced with GMO content. Um, most developed nations around the globe do not consider GMOs to be safe. In fact, there's more than 60 countries around the world, including Australia and Japan and all of the countries in the European Union, that either have significant restrictions or outright bans on the production and sale of genetically engineered organisms. So um, in the U.S. and in Canada, the GMOs have been approved based upon studies that are, are conducted by the same corporations that have developed them and profit from their sale. So there's a very clear 
um, distinction of, um, you know, conflict of interest within that model that we, that we have in North America. And so that raises a lot of questions around their safety. And uh, for the most part, um, you know, American consumers are, are kept pretty much in the dark about that approval process and about the lack of independent studies that, that, are, um, that are, have been done on genetic engineered um, organisms. Well, you know, we've all heard of Monsanto, and I and I, you know, I've been out to the demos and things to try and and fight back a little bit on what they're doing. What's the scope of the problem here? I mean, when you you mentioned, you know, are there many organizations out there doing this? I, I mean, can you give us an idea of what we're kind of up against? Sure. So the the GMA, the Grocery Manufacturers Association, this is like the biggest food producer association um, in North America. It is the one. Um, the GMA now uh, says that, the, that 75% of conventional processed foods um, contain genetically engineered ingredients. So wow. when you are walking in the grocery store and you've got a predominant volume of products that, that contain genetic engineered um, crops or I- ingredients, that's a real problem. Um, it's incredibly prevalent. When you look at the list of genetically engineered crops, it, the list is actually quite short. There's about eight to nine um, high-risk ingredients that are produced as GMO crops. These are soy, corn, um, canola, and and what is more alarming is just where these um, where these ingredients then show up as other ingredients all throughout our food supply. So the, when when you hear that, that people talk about GMOs kind of being everywhere, it's really the source is, uh, is these, this list of genetically engineered crops being short, but corn and soy, this shows up in, in everything. And, and I keep coming back to corn and soy because those are, um, you know, the, the highest produced and most prevalent um, ingredients in, in our food supply. Well, and it's spreading like welfare. I remember that lawsuit. I'm sure you're aware of it, but I, I, I remember the lawsuit of the farmer that was being sued because they said he, he had the, you know, the, the Monsanto corn, and he didn't. He was trying to grow organic, but it had cross-pollinated. It seems like it's a battle that, that we're already losing on a pretty substantial right, and it, level. A, I mean, that's an excellent point, Chris. I mean, um, there's a lot of reasons why people have concerns around GMOs. Um, from health implications, there's not long-term feeding studies. So, you know, really looking at what are the health implications of this technology. Um, to environmental, there's, uh, there's a litany of, of, of re- research around the environmental damage um, and the chemicals associated with genetically engineered crops. And, um, and then there's the farmer's rights and, and consumer's rights that are being violated. Um, and, and your point of, of farmers and, and who holds that burden of responsibility um, for the farmers that are producing organic or non-GMO uh, corn or soy, say, um, they hold that burden in protecting their farms from that cross-pollination or um, that contamination um, of GMO crops. And that model really is is not a sufficient model for coexistence of, of GMO and non-GMO crops. So, so why aren't our, our our products labeled today so that we know whether they have GMO in them or not? And then we can make up our own mind. So, yeah, it's a great question. Um, North America, Canada, and the U.S. are one of the only country we're, we're the only countries that do not have have requirement on on mandatory labeling, and predominantly is because of a lot of money um, within the biotech lobbying industry. And so um, there have been statewide efforts across the country. Um, the right to know movement 
um, you know, really started kind of in California and has spread all, all across the country um, for people fighting for ballot measures to have mandatory labeling. And these measures are being defeated um, because the spending from the lobby, um, biotech lobby groups is, is more than, you know, six to one. And um, up in the northeast area of, of the U.S., um, Vermont has passed a mandatory labeling law. They're the first state to do so. And there's also um, a couple other states, Connecticut um, and, your, and others that have, are, are, have kind of trigger clauses, kind of waiting for other states to get on board so that they can pass mandatory labeling in, in their states as well. Um, however, in the, you know, in the lack of mandatory labeling, the non-GMO project was born. And so that's kind of how we got our start and, and how we kind of came to be is because of those consumers, all of us, you and me, who want to know what is in our food and who want that kind of labeling. And uh, it's not apparent on product. And so um, the non-GMO project formed a verification process for avoiding GMOs so that consumers can know what doesn't include GMOs. Well, that's great. I, I, I'm loving the new website, uh, livingnongmo.org. Lots of great information there. Maybe, uh, can you expand a little bit? And for those people that aren't familiar with with the non-GMO project, tell us a little bit about uh, how you got started and, and and what kinds of things you're involved in today. Sure. So, just in a in a nutshell, the non-GMO project, um, we have a verified a verification program. So. There is a label that says non-GMO project verified, and it's showing up on products across the country. There's now um, more than 30,000 products that carry that label, and we're the only voluntary market-based strategy for preserving and building um, a non-GMO future. So we're a nonprofit, which is really unique. We're incredibly mission-driven. We're a small group of people um, that are very passionate about this mission, and we work with more than 2,000 brands who are very committed to either, you know, changing the food supply or very committed to listening to their consumers and, and recognizing that they need to change the way they're producing their food. Well, and I'm looking at the new website. This is really cool. I see the phone app that you can have right on your phone that you scan a barcode and it comes back and gives you information on that product and what you should be aware of. That is really cool. Yeah, um, the new app that we launched just six to nine months ago, um, you can actually scan the product while, while you're at the store. And with 30,000 products, they, you know, you can find them all on our website, um, but how much easier is it to just scan it, right? So we, we did develop, we're trying to always find more user-friendly ways to make this information accessible. And um, you can search by category, you can search by um, product type, you can search for your favorite brands. Um, so we're trying to make it as easy as possible for consumers to get that information they're looking for. But, you know, has there been any research that shows whether, you know, I mean, I, we can all draw our own conclusions, but I mean, is these other countries have, have all, you know, banned it or made people label it. Uh, so they obviously have concerns. Is, is that research not making it to the U.S. or does it not exist or, or you know, it just is baffling? Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I do want to go back to you know, possibly starting with some of the reasons that, that GMOs are even in existence. What is their okay. purpose? Um, the majority, more than 80% of the GMOs that are developed are, are um, created to, to be uh, herbicide tolerant. Um, and they're either herbicide tolerant or they also produce their own insecticide. So, you know, you may hear the arguments that GMOs are, are going to save the world um, and save food hunger, uh, 
you know, wipe out world hunger. And this is not the reality. And so it's counter to all of the uh, biotech industry's promises of increased yields do not produce. Um, it's uh, the, the amount of pesticides and chemicals being used on GMO crops has actually seen a 16-fold increase. Wow. Um, and we, we know that um, re- the World Health Organization just classified glyphosate, which is Roundup, um, and is the predominant chemical used on GMO crops, um, has classified it as a, as a probable carcinogen. And so um, we know that these chemicals are not, are not safe. And, and yet we're seeing a tremendous increase and in just this, um, you know, chemical treadmill um, developing in our agricultural system. And we're seeing that super weeds, super bugs, these are all very clearly documented and, and really becoming a tremendous agricultural problem across our country. And, um, and so, again, that, that, that violates, you know, kind of farmer sovereignty in producing our food. And... Um, and there's, there's um, environmental research shown to kind of show the toxicity levels that have increased in our environment. Um, we've had studies that show glyphosate showing up in the bloodstream and urine of, of the human population. And so it's all very much connected. And, I, you know, I don't have to explain much to your audience about, about that circle where environmental degradation affects human health pretty significantly. Oh yeah, I mean, and then the farm workers that got to work with those pesticides and all and and everything else too. I mean, it just touches so many things throughout. The, well, yeah, with, without it being labeled, okay. So we know there's a problem. The rest of the world's doing something about it. Uh, we're not doing anything about well, you know, good organizations like you guys are. So thank you. But but our 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 government is not protecting us and giving or giving giving us the information so what can people do i mean how, are there is there anything we can do if we go into the store it's not labeled if if, if uh, i mean i obviously get involved with your project but it, it, are there certain things we should avoid or, or things tips that we might be able to to know yeah i'm glad you brought that up because i i think that you know oftentimes this gmo conversation seems so bleak and seems um, a little disheartening, but there's actually a lot that people can be doing. Um, contacting your legislators and letting them know that you want you want a non-GMO future or that you um, you want mandatory labeling. Um, there's a lot of really wonderful organizations that are working on this issue. Um, the Just Label It um, is a program is a, a uh, so JustLabelIt.org is the website, and they are collecting signatures that they've you know, provided to the FDA, I think they're over 3 million now, um, signatures that they have, they have produced to the FDA of, of concerned citizens who want um, GMOs labeled. And then um, Center for Food Safety is another really great organization. So um, I think, you know, kind of hooking up to those, those outlets that, that you can and, and really getting involved, um, those, those organizations help carry your voice. Um, but then directly reaching out to your legislators and um, your lawmakers is, is, is critical. Um, there is a, um, uh, an initiative at the federal level right now called the DARK Act. And it's actually called, legally, it's called the Safe and Accurate Food Labeling Act, which is really misleading. Um, supporters of non-GMO um, have really labeled this the DARK Act, the um, Deny Americans the Right to Know Act. And wow. it's a really dangerous law. Um, it could essentially 
um, override all state efforts to have state labeling laws and preempts any state from creating their own law um, to mandate labeling. So um, being aware of these types of things is really important and, you know, really having those connections with your organizations and and lawmakers is, is really critical. Um, the right to know movement is, is, is big and there's local groups all across the country. And so I would encourage people to really, you know, understand, um, what, what groups they want to tie into. Of course, we would love support at the non-GMO project, but I just really want to make sure people understand, um, how many wonderful organizations are really looking at the consumer's right on this topic. Well, that's great. And I know you've got a lot of great information on your website as well. Um, are there certain foods that you can almost, I mean, corn, if you don't buy organic, I guess you're pretty much guaranteed you're probably going to be eating some GMO corn, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know, I just want to uh, rattle off, you know, the really high risk crops. Um, it's good to know them for sure. Um, you know, alfalfa, corn, sugar beets, zucchini, yellow squash, canola, cotton, soy, um, Hawaiian papaya. These are all commercially produced GMO crops. And, and then, you know, really reading your labels and knowing where these products are showing up. So when we're talking about corn, it's not just corn on the cob. It's high fructose corn syrup and cornmeal and corn chips. And when we're talking about soy, it's, you know, soy milk and soy lecithin and soy flowers and soy, you know, so they just kind of really recognizing where these, um, these high risk crops turn into ingredients and show up in our products. Um, you know, and definitely looking for organic and non GMO project verified, um, to avoid GMOs in your diet and, um, and, and, and just, you know, that's getting, getting more easy. It's just getting easier all the time with more, um, products that are, that are getting verified. And so the last, um, you know, takeaway, the last item to really push here is reaching out to those, your favorite brands. And if they haven't already gotten the verification on the products that you love, then then reaching out to them and saying, Hey, you know, I want non-GMO options here, and I expect better of you, and, and really holding our brands accountable to, um, to, get, to, to, to change the way they produce their food. Wow, that's great. Now, can you be organic and, and still be a GMO product? Are those two separate things or, or, or not? Like if it's organic, does well, that I'm mean it's non-GMO? Yeah, so organic certification, one of the tenants is to, um, they, you have to uh, exclude GMOs within your organic certification. Um, we have about a little, uh, almost half of our products that are verified are organic. Um, so the organic, uh, we're all very big supporters of organic certification and, and certainly organic, um, Certification includes a lot more than just looking at GMOs. It is one of the things that's considered. We take on all of those wonderful things that organic has within its certification, and we build on it by requiring testing for GMOs. And we're we're very focused on our mission of a non-GMO food supply. So we look at um, at GMOs specifically. and so if you just want that level of rigor with the testing of GMOs, then, um, you know, really have to kind of consider what, what are you looking for in your product. So we definitely um, encourage looking for organic certification and non-GMO project verified. Right. Now, there was something, with, I remember on meat, they were like the, the, meat, the far, farmers were trying to like stop people from talking about 
whether it had certain stuff on it. If, if, if this other law goes through, will people even be able to put the non-GMO project on there? I mean, are they trying to, because I, I think they're trying to stop people from even saying whether it's GMO or not is what, is what I heard. Have you heard anything? Well, I mean, that? certainly there's, there's a lot of labeling um, or a lot, I'm sorry, a lot of lobbying that's happening. Um, mm. The current um, HR, um, well, the, the dark act is um, uh, the current, Bill, as it's as it's written right now, um, it would create a competing USDA label. Um, and while this may sound like a really great thing, it is actually really setting the bar so much lower than than what it should be. Um, and and it's it's good to be um, you know really clear on on the amount of the high bar that we have established with our rigor, um, our rigorous standard and requiring testing and, and um, all of these stipulations that are within our standard. And so um, this, this USDA label could really not only threaten, um, you know, our, our particular label, and it's less concern about that threaten, but it's more the concern of the confusion that it creates in the marketplace for those shoppers standing in the store and trying to decide what is truly GMO and what is not. Wow. Well, I appreciate all the hard work you guys are doing at the, at the um, non-GMO project. I love the new website, livingthenongmo.org. For, if you're listening and you want to go there, there's a, a, a great learn button that kind of runs through some of the topics we talked about today. There's a, you can click connect and get on their newsletter and find some actions that you can take to, to make sure that we are you know, informed as consumers. It blows me away, Caroline, that, that, that uh, you know, the, the whole world <laughs> is out there knowing that this is something that their citizens want to, want to know. And yet, it, it, I mean, it seems like it's just boiling down to big money is running the show. And if we don't stand up together, it, it's not going to stop. I mean, are, are we winning? Yeah. <laughs> we I, I, you know, I, I'm really fortunate to work with this organization. And my job is to work with consumers and to work with brands. And I get to see so much positive change. Um, winning winning's a hard, hard word to phrase, but I would definitely say there is winning ground happening. There is this major groundswell of consumer concern that is demanding change. And so, um, you know, I remain incredibly optimistic in, in the change that I've seen just in the, the two short years that I've been on board with the, the Non-GMO Project. I have just seen so much incredible um, change and brands that you never would have thought um, we get verified are, are getting verified all the time. It's very mainstream. It's very much in, in the purview of um, all brands across across our country. So I am I'm in, I'm encouraged and, and and optimistic at the change I've been seeing. Well, Caroline, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, we're going to take a commercial break, and then I'll be back with some final thoughts. Would it be crazy if you just stopped everything, packed your bags, and left? For a week, a month, a year. What if you left for two years? Would people think you'd lost your mind? What if you were going far away to help in a village on the edge of the Gobi Desert? A village crowded with Buddhist temples, not skyscrapers. A place where there isn't a word for recluse, but a thousand words for community. Would it be crazy to go 5,000 miles from home? To spend time with people the rest of the world only reads about? To build libraries and fill them with stories. Prepare a meal with food you helped grow. To teach children and learn a thing or two about yourself. Would that be crazy? Peace Corps. Life is calling. How far will you go? To find out more, call 1-800-424-8580. 
or visit peacecorps.gov. Do you know a nonprofit that could use more money to accomplish their mission? Are you working for a charitable cause right now and need funding to do more? Nonprofitfundraising.com is dedicated to helping nonprofits and charities raise the funds they need. Discover the best fundraising ideas of 2015 and compare your fundraising results with others. Learn how to grow your organization and connect with more supporters at nonprofitfundraising.com. That's nonprofitfundraising.com. Welcome back to Up Close with Chris Tinney. To call in and be part of the show, dial 1-866-472-5788 from anywhere in North America. That's 1-866-472-5788. And now, back to the show. Well, another great show under our belt today, folks. I really appreciate you joining me every Tuesday evening here on Voice America, the number one internet radio station on the planet. Uh, I'm really excited about the show, and I I just want to tell you I appreciate you. I appreciate everybody who's sharing these episodes on things that matter because, you know, we are putting you at the forefront of the thought leaders, the social activists, the people that are making a difference out there with topics and information that you can put into use right away. So go to ChrisTinney.com. You got to know how to spell my name to do that, but I'm sure you'll figure it out. You can see all the old shows that we've had that have been archived, our upcoming shows, and lots of ways that you can get connected. We have also launched homelessfriend.org, homelessfriend.org, and it's going to help bring awareness to the to the issues and challenges that face the homeless population in America. Did you know 40,000 people are going to die on the streets of America homeless this year? You want to do something about it? Go to homelessfriend.org and uh, get involved. Take action. Get, get my newsletter so you can join a great group of people that are doing some great stuff in the world. I'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney. This is the end of the show. You don't have to let the conversation end now. Visit ChrisTinney.com to learn more about today's topic. Listen to past shows and connect with like-minded people. Up Close with Chris Tinney is broadcast live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and rebroadcast online and throughout North America in select markets. Thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing. And we'll see you next week on Up Close with Chris Tinney.